As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. With Sam Tampering. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Was right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic. This might sound like just another episode of Tampering. It is not, I assure you. We are in person here at the Golden One Center in Sacramento. And by in person, I mean that the other humans that are typically with me on this pod, Anthony Slater and Fred Katz, Happen to be here in person. Right now we have Slater, our we've esteemed a, Warriors beat writer. Talk to me. We've emerged from the Zoom era. <laughs> it does feel, you know, pandemic-wise, you know, it's waning, you would say. We're getting there. Source, I mean, there's, source subjects later. We're not there yet. We yeah. are. But, you know, no masks. Uh, no mask requirement tonight in Golden 1, which, Correct. In, which I've gotten used to now going across the league. Uh, Chase Center doesn't require it, and that's one of the you know strictest I would say policy wise. Oh yeah, the league. Dallas I was in. You know, shockingly they they have lifted their mask. Whatever do well. you mean by shockingly? Um, so it's just no. I get you. There's elements of it. Um, so here's the program for today. Uh, Fred is currently doing his day job covering the New York Knickerbockers. Emmanuel quickly is about to have an interview, and he is back in the back room, probably you know three hundred feet from us. Yeah, let it be known, athletic NBA editors, Fred Katz never sleeps, never misses a presser, and uh, he'll be here to jump in on the conversation. What we're going to dive into, Slater, after we talk about the evening's affair and Julius Randle out there looking like. You know, Walt Clyde Frazier himself. Or last season, Julius Randle. Yeah, or say. the guy from last year. 
um, or your Warriors, because we always got to talk to your Warriors, and they're in a terrible slide right now, or the Lakers, who I wrote about today in a pretty in-depth piece with Bill Orem, looking at their situation. Uh, we, when Katz gets here, we're going to talk some Coach of the Year. You know, we we thought a little bit about getting into all the awards. That's like a four-hour show to tackle. Um, Coach of the Year is not normally the sexiest topic. Um, I actually think, you know, as sexy topics go, it's not too shabby because there are a lot of dudes doing a lot of really, really good work this year on the coach of the year front. So we will get to that, but we're saving that again for the Fred Katz portion because he wants to get off his takes. Um, I have a single take on that and I will also save it. That's all you got for the whole conversation yes. is one. It it's better a pretty, be a damn good take. It's a take. It's a take. It's not a huge take, but it's, it's like a take, it's, take you'll down. You understand why I have a singular take once okay. I give it. What but a tease. What a tease. All before right. that is given, before that segment, Kings, Knicks. It's a thriller. No, we're not getting into Kings. <laughs> uh, it was, you know, it's, it's the Knicks fans took over the arena. It, okay. We can get into that. We've joked in the past with Fred that, you know, his season first one on the Knicks beat has gone from, you know, bing bong, all this excitement at the beginning to the next slide, um, you know, the Cam Reddish trade where Tibbs wouldn't play him and now wondering what's going on with the front office and the coaching staff and, and all the very, you know, typical Knicks kind of, you know, nonsense away from the floor. Um, but tonight they look like a damn good team. And the fans, it's just got to be really tough, obviously, to be a Kings fan these days. 16 years, no playoffs. That's a league record and something that – uh you know, is may it's just, never be touched again. May never be touched again. You know, makes me feel older every time I say it, just because I I was there the last time they were in the playoffs with a goatee in person with a goatee and with less gray hair within a in an arena that's about to be demolished. Sounds like AT and T Center Arco. Oh, the old one. Yes, that is happening. I don't Sad. know all the details. I should know all the details. There's there's a goodbye ceremony coming up. Yeah, there's a, you should probably attend. I probably will. I think it's later this month. I th- you know, but yeah, a long, long time ago. So tonight, Slater, as we saw on the way out, you got Knicks fans just having their way with Kings fans on the concourse. It's just brutal because there's really no response. There's not much you can say. Uh, and so to see the Knicks fans kind of getting theirs, and these are obviously, I assume, the West Coast-based Knicks fans, is uh, just another kind of below-the-belt punch for the Kings nation. Yeah, uh, it's fine. I went to R.J. Barrett's press conference, and, you know, it's just, it's a good win for the Knicks tonight. A comeback, right? They're down 15 and a half. They end up winning by 21. They just blew out the Clippers in LA. It's like two good wins, but then you're reminded, you go to the press conference and RJ Barrett's asked about like, you know, this is two good wins. You guys have climbed within four and a half of Atlanta for the 10 seed. And it's like, oof, you know, you're reminded of, of what a tough situation is for them. And then on the flip side, Demonis Sabonis was tossed tonight. Alvin Gentry's frustrated and, you know, we're a month away from the end of the regular season. And a Kings team that was desperate to try to make the play in is basically in post game admitting without admitting, like we, you know, the last month is about pride and, you know, they're not, they're not completely out of the 10 seed mix, but they kind of are, uh, which, you know, with a month to go. A month ago, and it's that time of year for teams like the Kings when when all of a sudden you are asking off-season questions, you know, is Alvin Gentry going to remain as coach? Uh, I I would tend to doubt it, but, you know, we shall see. Um, Actually, a good loss for them tonight from a lottery perspective. These, these are two battling lottery You're just teams. all in the, the Kings business tonight. I shouldn't. Be. Yeah, let's go national here, brother. Um, Fred Katz is on the way. He's on the way. What's up with your Warriors? Because they're always a national story. Uh, your Golden State Warriors. 
uh, they 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 helped the Lakers break a four game losing streak the other night. Yes, LeBron dropped fifty six on their heads and gave them a little bit of life. Although then he missed a game and they lost to the Spurs tonight. But um, your Warriors continue to have no Draymond. He broke his own news uh, on his social medias uh, talking about, is it a March 14th target date? Is that what he said? Yeah, March 14th, uh, which is actually only three games away now. Okay. Uh, it's next Monday, not this, obviously, today, basically, um, against the Wizards. Okay. Uh, that's They still have to play Clippers tomorrow night at Denver. Uh, Thursday again, and then uh, the Bucks on ABC Saturday night. So that you know, you could that's two to three potential losses right there. Uh, and they're two and nine in their last eleven. They've lost five in a row, which is actually a longer losing streak than they had all of last season when they didn't even make the playoffs. Um, but I gotta jump in. Look, look who's here, Slater. Look who's here. Fred Katz. Fred Katz is arrived. in the house. This let's, is in person. Fred. You know what? Let's We're talk just, more Knicks Kings. No. More Knicks Kings. No. All right. That that was your Warriors update, folks. That's all you get. Because Fred's here. We're going to quickly dive into Coach of the Year. He's looking very confused. He's going to be sharing a mic with Slater. We're getting very COVID close here. This is not according to protocols. Uh, before we do Coach of the Year, gentlemen, my quick update from my week on the association beat is that uh, the fatigue you hear in my voice is, is, is you know, being down in L.A. and trying to get a sense of... You want to of, save that for, for post-Coach of the Year? Because I'm not sure how long he has to join That's us. a good point. We we need to save some Andrew, content. you might have to edit this. We're off no, the, he doesn't the rails need to edit. here. This is this is in person. You know the mistakes can go within the flow. I feel like it's these a aren't mistakes. Transition. They're learning moments. Exactly. <laughs> Fred is plugging in. Fred, how was Emmanuel quickly? It was illuminating. It was wonderful. You know, it, it was it was one of those moments where it was late, and I was very glad that his. Last name was an apt descriptor of the length of his availabilities. <laughs> well, easy. I didn't know how you were going to finish that sentence. <laughs> it was, uh, it was fine. It was, I'm excited to be doing this in person. I'm excited that Slater can tell the quality of my breath for the first time all year. So, wow. Slater, does he sound go. excited? I don't really think I'm feeling it yet. Feels like the Knicks season has really depressed <laughs> him. Although, this is a high moment. They've climbed within four and a half. <laughs> Four and a half of Atlanta. What happened to your voice there? Are you choking up at this emotional Knicks season? I'm just so happy we're still talking Knicks Kings. All right. All right. So, Fred, we're going to get into Coach of the Year. Um, I will say real quickly, just to rub it in, oh, no pun intended, quickly. See what I did there? Um, I told Fred earlier that the Knicks, in this season of frustrating access in the NBA in terms of our ability to connect with players and coaches on a consistent basis, uh, the Knicks, to me, were the, I, I learned tonight that they're a bit of a tease because the way they roll on the road with their crew, with Leon Rose is in town, Worldwide West is in town, just chilling and hanging on the court. Not the most media accessible group where you can ask them all the questions about their team and their season and their organization, but they're really out there, which I just, I don't know that I knew that they traveled that way. Um you know, Fred, is that an every game thing? And Wouldn't say it's literally Alan every Houston game. as well. Yeah, Alan Houston's at a bunch of them. Uh, Very William Wesley on. is at a bunch of them. Yep. Liam Rose, obviously, team president. William Wesley's the VP. Yep. Uh, those guys are at, at a bunch of them. You see Scott Perry every once in a while. He's their GM. I mean, they also have, like, they have a huge front office. They have so many voices in their front office. Mark Stein just reported that they hired former Timberwolves president, Kirsten Rosas, who was in Houston forever and overlapped with Tibbs there. 
you know, they just hired him as a consultant, Mark Stein reported. And so they just, they have so many voices. Brock Aller, who is, he does a lot of their day-to-day stuff. Frank Zana is their assistant GM. Well, Perrin, their assistant GM, he has hired a ton a of voice. And PR guy, Patrick Reese. Hired a new PR guy. Congrats, they just got, Patrick. They got voices. There are a lot of cooks in that kitchen. A ton of cooks. So Jim Miller got some cash. We know that much. And a lot of them travel. All right. Very interesting. Um, let's talk coach of the year, brother. You got a story to write, but we've got to get your takes off. By the way, Slater apparently has one singular take that is so spectacular that that's all he's bringing. And he claims that we're not going to be let down. Should I just go first? Well, here's, yeah. I mean, I guess I'll frame it you this way. You don't need to lay I'm not the looking field. at the note. Don't, this is the fourth wall. Don't tell the listeners about you know all this I research I did I all day long. Fred knows. Fred knows <laughs> that I never wait till the last minute to research this pod ever. We're talking coach of the year. All I'm going to say is that I really I know maybe it's recency bias, but I really don't remember this deep of a field where no, I I don't think it's a deep field. That's my take. Whoa, here we go. But you know I, you got to pick three, right? I don't. I think one. I think one that, that guy is so. Works. Clearly, my guy, but sure. Okay. okay. I mean, you two can sit here and debate who's second and third. Okay. I just think one should be unanimous. I think Monty Williams is the coach of the year. I think it would be. At least I got it right. It should be. I mean, like, the Suns are by far the best team. They've dealt with with plenty of adversity, including lately. Uh, and I, he would, I voted for him coach of the year last year, and I think it was proven what a good job he did. You know, I know we don't try to take last season into account, but the fact that I, I feel like it sustained itself through the playoffs should be noted. And, and you know, when's the last time we talked about Robert Sarver? I mean, the way he's guided them through that situation. Um, so it's not like it wasn't a non-adverse season around there. And they are just, like, clearly the best team in the league. So I think he's clearly the coach of the year. That's my one take. You two can take it from there and talk two, three, because I don't think one is up for debate. You say I didn't do research, Fred. He just didn't want to figure out who two and three were. <laughs> so here's before Fred goes this I, yeah, is go great for, for the pod because I can tell I think I've learned Fred's body language well enough I think we have some some tension and friction on the pod I don't think Fred agrees with you uh no I I agree that I would put Monty Williams coach of the year damn it easily? but not easily but not because I disagree with any of your points on Monty Williams they're don't the best you guys know how ratings work they're not good okay here's what I'll say they're they're three and three since Chris Paul got hurt. He's a right? fraud. And if you watch them play without Chris Paul and now without Devin Booker, who's in health and safety protocols, it is crazy because they play exactly the same. And it is a testament to your coaching when you watch a team lose its two best players, especially a team that's considered to be like a, like a top heavy of the top two. Like those are both guys who were, we're rightfully going to talk about as all NBA caliber guys at the end of the year. And you lose those two guys and you still run one, you run all the same stuff and your offense looks exactly the same. And Cameron Payne's coming in and having 16 assist games and the ball movement looks the same and the cutting looks the same and the pace of the game looks the same. The defense is still playing on a string and it's like, they look like they're not, I'm not saying they're as good, but just with the way that they move, they look like the same team. And that I think is like the greatest testament to how well coached a team is. Uh, They're not going to win as much because the talent is not there with Booker and without Chris Paul, but they are, I agree, they're unbelievably well coached. That said, I 
I think you can justify putting some other guys there over Monty. Like I don't, I don't disrespect a JB Bickerstaff vote. I don't disrespect a Billy Donovan vote. There are some, there are some other guys. I don't disrespect an Eric Spolstra vote. Miami has not had anybody healthy all year and they have the best record in the Eastern conference and they're, 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 they look awesome. Here's my hot take. So for, I mean, this, this, we should have gone in reverse, maybe, you know, three, two, one, because we are in agreement about number one. I think Phoenix for sure. I think Monty has been spectacular and I've got pretty strong opinions about why. Uh, that game the other night, they barely lose to Milwaukee. It also no Cam Johnson. I mean, it's, it was funny to me because when the Bucks pulled that game off and it takes Chris Middleton scoring, I think 44 points, uh, you know, ESPN cuts to the post game interview and, and they, you know, in the Bucks celebratory interview, they nobody mentioned all the guys that the Suns were missing. They acted like it was a very dramatic, you know, just kind of high level win for Milwaukee. It was absurd that they almost lost that game on paper. But everything you said, Fred, about Monty's influence is accurate. I would go even farther back, Slater, in terms of giving him his flowers. Monty takes that job at a time when nobody really saw much promise out of that group. Devin Booker was a you know, obviously a high level player that had a reputation as a guy who was giving you empty buckets. Um, Monty immediately starts creating a culture in Phoenix. That culture existed before Chris Paul got there and played a big part in Chris being impressed by what he saw, what he heard, uh, you know, in, in that previous postseason when they went undefeated in the bubble. Um, they build from there under an owner in Robert Sarver, who even before the incredibly serious and sensitive allegations reported by ESPN early this season, you know, racism, misogyny, all the above was already a guy that, you know, that, that as a coach, people felt like he'd be a tough guy to play for. Cheap. Um, right. I mean, that's one of the worst is yeah. like, you know, in the, part in the background noise, everybody, you're getting the, the real arena, uh, visual audio stuff here, but we'll work through it. Go ahead. That's good. It is good. That's it's good. like the old the days. The ambiance. This is it's how like it we're should back be. in OKC Slater, like the old days. Game when you six were a just youngster. Ended. Yeah. But no, like, so it builds a culture. The Chris Paul trade, I know coach of the year this season, you're not supposed to think this way. I'm just admitting that these are the ways, kind of the way I think about it. Chris Paul trade doesn't happen without Monty. It's James Jones and Monty and the relationship that they had uh, that attracted Chris in addition to the, his desire to be closer to LA. Um, Monty instilling belief in Devin Booker right away and making a connection there where there wasn't a previous relationship is massive. And he has just kept this momentum going all the way through the, the numbers just real quickly. They were 51 and 21 last year, winning percentage of uh, 708 this year, 51 and 13, 797. So significantly better. Um, and, and the Sarver thing this season is just no small accomplishment. I remember they, uh, the Suns coming to this building quickly after that story broke and me just really being struck by how much they were able to compartmentalize. The normalcy yeah, of their season. Their, their season has been normal. It's been normal, 100%. So, and, you know, Aiden, the Aiden contract, which you I know you have noted there, like that's not a small thing to know. Thank you. See, the laptop's coming in handy. It yes. is. You're the one, you know. Didn't we want me to mention the fact that you're prepared? This guy doesn't want me to be known as a prep. Yeah, the DeAndre Aiden situation. Ironically, I was in Phoenix right when that story broke, you know, right after. And it was the same vibe from Monty. He's got this incredible way of saying, what? The house isn't on fire. We're good. Like, And usually we mock folks who are delusional like that. 
he's a very unique leader and somebody who obviously has got the coaching chops as well and, and is doing great work out there. So great. We've all uh, come to agreement that Monty Williams is the unanimous number one. Yeah. That was I, a good pod. Thanks for I was, us. <laughs> Much True more chemistry issues. I'm like literally trying to steal the microphone <laughs> from Slater. No, one thing I will say is that everything you said, Sam, is true. But I think we do actually have a a propensity to talk about Monty Williams as a locker room leader and a player coach and a, a locker room guy, right? He's a damn good ex's nose coach. He just said he had the coaching chops. I know, but he he that needs to be emphasized. Like yeah. he has done an incredible ex's nose job. Like I I think that's why he's that. Can we talk about some other guys though? Because this is really infringing on my point that it might not be Monty Williams. That's fine. I'll I'll throw the lob to you like this. My hot take, which is very different than Slater's, is and I'm not trying to be funny. Like I actually think there's I'm looking, let me count here, three, five, set twelve coaches. Twelve, where I wouldn't be mad at you for giving them a top three vote. Okay, name name them, name them. Uh, this is not necessarily a power ranking. Wait, can, I want to hear you name them, and I'm just going to give the mic to Slater because I I want him to comment on each name as as you say. Okay, <laughs> Monty, not one after everyone. Well, he's, not, he's not the winner. Not the winner. <laughs> uh, we got Monty Williams at the top of my list. Uh, I've got. You know, I, I was trying to rank them, but this is not my final vote. I have time to figure that out. Eric Spolstra of the Miami Heat. I've got Ty Lue of the LA Clippers. JV Bickerstaff of the Cavs. Taylor Jenkins of the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Billy Donovan of your Chicago Bulls. Michael Malone. Uh, Doc Rivers. I think everybody knows where these guys coach. Uh, Doc Rivers, Ime Udoka, Chris Finch. Slater, even with the recent stuff. Steve Kerr, like we we do kind of forget. We'll get into it, but like I, I think wrote he's down, had a good overall. I think Steve no Kerr's Draymond had a good Green season. for thirty games and counting. No Clay Thompson for forty four games. Uh, no James Wiseman. Um, Organizational like priorities that are you know not necessarily always aligned with yeah. the present. Um, and the fact that going into the season, I believe uh, one pundit named Fred Katz uh, labeled him the most overrated team in the West. There it but is. you know. Truthfully, I mean, I picked them to be like fifth in the West. Most people, like that felt like on the optimistic side. So yeah, we don't need to talk much about Steve Kerr because I see him like 10th-ish on your list. And I feel like because of the slump, that's probably right. He would be somewhere 8 to 10. He's not among the top names. He's the, 11th and 12. A, a guy I is, talked to last week is Jason Kidd. Who's had a great season. Yeah. I agree. All 12 of those coaches you just named have had good seasons. Um, but none of them are number one except for Monty Williams. Sorry, go ahead. Well, now, uh, Fred... Sorry, I stole it. Go ahead. You want to talk Billy Donovan? Yeah, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to get me back on Billy. That was Fred saying he wanted to talk. Billy. Yeah, but but yeah. we now we have a little. I'm I'm in a different camp, so let's hear it. Yeah, no, I just very good, very good year. It's just not surging to the finish line. I think it's for sure. I think it's difficult to talk about Billy to talk about Demar Derozan without talking about what Billy Donovan has done with Demar Derozan. I mean, they have put him in a situation that's empowered his strengths. And I think what's interesting about about what Billy, the way his career has done, is I remember early in his career, one of the big knocks on him was, okay, what's Terrible his... hair, like Slater? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's his identity? That was the question. What is what does he lean on as a coach? You know, I, Tom Thibodeau leans on defense. He's a defensive coach. What what are the principles of the game Billy Donovan leans on as a coach? And you look at the different teams that he coached at the beginning of his career, they kind of all had different T 
team-wide characteristics. And so it didn't really stand out what Billy Donovan was. And I think what's what's interesting, you know, it, was, it was the Russ and KD team his first year. Then it was the Russ solo year where he averages the triple-double for the first time and wins MVP. And then it's Russ and Paul George learning to play together. And then he then then it's then it's just Russ and Paul George after Melo leaves. And then he's got to deal with that Chris Paul team, which is totally different. And then he goes to Chicago and... I, I think Can what you tell we've that seen he covered from him, Billy Donovan before. Yeah. But I think what we've seen from him is that he's kind of a chameleon and he's really good at taking what players are good at and saying, I'm not changing you and I'm not wedging you into my basketball ideals and I am going to form a team around you. Okay. We have Dennis Schroeder and Chris Paul and, and uh, who was the third point guard on that team that they played together? Shea Gilgis uh, Alexander. Shea. Yep. Exactly. And Shea Gilgis Alexander. We're just going to play all three of them together and figure out a way to make it work. Uh, and in Chicago, I think that mentality is translated to DeMar DeRozan. Okay, take a lot of mid-range shots in a time when mid-range shots aren't aren't preferred. Great, we're going to figure out a way to make it work. We're going to space around you. We're going to play guards who just hound you. We don't have great rim protection. Okay, we're going to find a way to 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 use Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso so that it it helps Vucevic defensively. Like I just think that team has been very intelligently comprised from an X's nose standpoint, a strategy standpoint. They play very hard. Uh, I, I think he's got, I think he's got a, a really legit case. So they're 39 and 26 as of this recording. And in terms of the different things they get taken into account as a voter, I would just say, I, I would feel better about a vote there. If the narrative, if you will, of their defense being elite had continued. Now you lose Alex Caruso, Alonzo Ball injury. Like, I get it, but they've slipped to 22nd in defensive rating. Sam's a big uh, efficiency rating that guy. that hurts. It's not efficiency. It's just defense, man. Don't don't be pulling that like, like it's hardcore analytics. See this nerd with his glasses over Jeez. here? How about this guy taking shots in my hair without a microphone <laughs> in front of my face? Give me no chance no to dummy. respond. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, um, but I, I'm leaning more towards your side where they, he's probably slipped down similar to the way like Kerr later in the season has, has slipped down the coach rank for sure. As Ime Udoka, you sure he isn't rising so past some of these things? Ime might be. Let's before we get to Ime, so Fred gave his kind of vote for number two, if you will. We mentioned this guy before, and I just think I, I, I again maybe I'll change my mentality, but I am feeling in I'm in the mood to give credit to guys who I've not only done great work this season, but I am admitting publicly that that sense of like the the guys who have the most respect from their peers, I think we are guilty of too often just giving it to the 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 guy who, you know, whose team had the biggest spike in record. And maybe it was a little bit of an outlier, but it's a better I'm not story. I'm guilty of that today. You're doing but no, it's a substantive pick for sure. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Spo has been remarkable. Uh, they are number one in the East. Number one. That is a loaded Eastern Conference with all kinds of parity. And, you know, those Brooklyn Nets that were supposed to be a super team or trying to fight for the play-in. I mean, if that's not telling, I know they've been through a million things, but but still, uh, it's a tough Eastern Conference, and they are 44-22, and 22, and just a few numbers for you, because since I'm such an analytics nerd, as Slater says, um, fifth in defense, ninth in offense. Jimmy Butler has missed 20 games. Bam Adebayo has missed 25. Oladipo uh, just uh, all but one. Uh, Markeith Morris, 37. Tyler Hero, 13. I mean, guys, that's that's the heart and soul of that team for the most part, missing gigantic chunks of the season. Yeah. I mean, like Spolstra, it's like almost like a legacy, uh, candidacy, like what that entire, it's not, it is like, I think it, it's, I mean, in addition to this year, I mean, yeah, first well, in the well, East well, my, all my point is like they succeed because what's been built. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I see your point. 100%. Um, and you know, they're, they're a machine and that's him. Through Pat Riley also. You know what I mean? It's just, it's that brain trust that has just, there's the sturdy way they operate. And as, you know, as I know you've, you're, you are detailing and have detailed uh, in past seasons, like the way LeBron James latches onto an organization can kind of take, take it over. Um, the Heat were one that really kind of turned him away from doing It is kind of funny though, how you could have a SPO, JV Bickerstaff candidacy in the top three. And it's like the, the franchises that have, have come out on the other side Ty of the LeBron exit. Ty Lue, another, you know, yeah, he, but Ty Lue's just, you know, he should be well, coaching mean, the Lakers. We're talking about linked. Well, yeah. I'm just saying, as you, we weave this way, oh, there's a lot of subplots, uh, but you yeah, know, sure. that my general point on Spolstra is like, yeah, I mean, that is, he is the epitome of like what stable coaching does for right. a franchise. So uh, for now I've got Spo number two. It's fair. Now, one thing I would say before I pass the mic to Fred, uh, their one seed is not as uh, substantial as the Phoenix's one seed. Phoenix is just way above everyone in the West. Like Miami, theoretically, two weeks from now could be like fifth in the East. I mean, just everything's clumped up there. So, I mean, I They're don't disagree seven. with that. I would like he's a good second if I have to even think about seconds. Yeah. But uh, no, there are the Suns are seeds. head and shoulders above. You don't maintain this figure by not thinking about seconds. Uh, I <laughs> I will add to Sam. Uh, it's better than Kyle Lowry from earlier. Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Tyler Hero. I think we can all agree four best players on Miami. They've played 76 minutes together all season. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. See, if I just wanted to spike the ratings on the pod, it's Slater. He's the coach of the year. It's not Monty Williams. What do you say? No, you want to spike the ratings, you say it's not close. It's not even close. <laughs> no, that's, it is incredible. Um, they, I think you have it in front of you there, Fred. I, what do they got? Six guys I looked at it earlier with averaging three assists or more. Like, offensively, I found it so interesting the way, you know, Bam, in years past, you know, they they had him playing kind of a Jokic light type role where the whole offense was going through him and that part has changed with Lowry coming to town. But they still like the the kind of the way that, that the offense runs, uh, I think reflects well on Spo and his system, making the most of all those guys. And then, you know, again, that defense that is always a big part of what they do. 
Uh, yeah, fantastic job. So Slater is giving the endorsement on number two, or, or do you have a different number two? I think that's a good number two. The guy I see third on your list, sorry, spoiler alert, uh, Ty Lu. I think that's, you know, that's, I think my third spot is up for debate. I'm going to use this pod to, to, for you guys to help me crystallize what I think well, of the third spot. You know, I mean, if you just, without a great context, if you just look at the Clipper season, I mean, what are they? Like they're the eight seed, they're near 500. They have real, you know, unless they're, they're 34 and guys, 32. Uh, come back they have no path to a title so that wouldn't normally be a top three coach of the year candidate but you mentioned like respect among peers particularly from a strategic standpoint and you know i do obviously cover the warriors on, on a normal basis and and the their battles with tyloo over the years gives that warriors coaching staff has an unbelievable respect for tyloo from a strategic standpoint and the way he can get you know you talk about adaptability, but the way he, he can maneuver any matchup and, and really he's shown to be a great playoff coach. And I know this isn't a playoff award, but um, I've definitely had a few people know, like, yeah, I know that the Clippers are 500 basically, but like he might be the best coach in the, in basketball. Right. He's a great coach. He's excellent. He, he is an amazing playoff coach. Like he like by Slater game five, him the best coach in basketball. I said, I've had people say that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm talking, you know, the stuff we were talking earlier was social, like I'm not culture, whatever. I I think when, when I've had that said to me, it, it's mostly talking about like the game tips off till the game ends. He's the best within the game. And that is like definitely not all that being coached about. That's probably like, what would you guys say? Like 40% of a coach's job is like what happens in the game. Compared to what happens on off days, off season, culture sure. setting, whatever. Well, to that point, a quick story I shared with Fred earlier. I was at the Clippers game where they smoked the Lakers the other night. And um, first of all, to see, this is right up both of your alleys from your past lives, to see Reggie Jackson dominate Russell Westbrook in that kind of a way. I mean, guys, there were playground moves happening you know, kind of skipped my lewd type, you know, hesitations and things like that, where Reggie was toying with Russ, taunting Russ, having his way. Now, this, of course, is the same Reggie Jackson that used to back up Russ in Oklahoma City, same guy that wrote starting point guard SPG on his sneaker, didn't sit well with the Thunder folks. Russ didn't forget. This is not the first time they've had a chippy reunion, but didn't sit well. Yeah. is the biggest understatement <laughs> I have ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> How did it sit, Fred? I remember their first matchup as opponents was in the Palace, the, yeah. the old Palace. I read your old gamer on that the did other night. Yes. It was a good gamer? It was terrible. I'm just <laughs> like your hair. This guy's throwing slugs tonight. <laughs> um, no subs. What did you learn from that gamer? Because I, re- I mean, I, I have not read it, obviously, in a long time. I don't go back and read that. I've it was like, it was pretty, it. it was a little bit, you talk about the dancing and stuff. I remember the celebration yeah. Yeah, yeah, from Reggie yeah. Jackson that night, like ticked them off. I remember being in there the were palace. quotes in there that Russ in, in a, in a, it's going to sound like I'm the latest person to pick on him, but like in a more boisterous, confident time in his career, his messaging was very much like, yeah, I'm not going to forget that. I saw that. I'm not good with that. It was disrespectful. I'm paraphrasing, but he was, you know, chirping publicly, uh, the other night, there's nothing he could say. I think Reggie had 36, but I mean, it was, it really was like an N1 tournament style. Fans going nuts, 
you know, Reggie wasn't, he was doing that. Like, I can't hear you vibe when Russ would try to talk to him. Even LeBron was honestly not enjoying Reggie. And you could tell was close to saying something to him. Uh, Reggie's got a really cool vibe with those fans where he's just leaning all the way in to this Clippers life where he's a leader on a team that has had no Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, you're right. It's an eight seed. You don't normally get that much buzz and hype with that kind of a situation, but Ty Lue has been very good. Taylor Jenkins is another name. Yeah, I we got, I need, list. I need some, some opinions on Taylor Jenkins. Cause first of all, you know, it's a little bit Fred, like you look at Chicago, you talk about DeMar and you have that unofficial calculus of, you know, a, a special player where we'd struggle to figure out, you know, I mean, it sucks for the people that we can't figure out how to give credit to multiple folks and feel like you're not taking away from the other, if that makes sense. You know, DeMar, I feel like deserves a lion's share of the credit in Chicago, but I get all of your points on Billy with Memphis and Taylor Jenkins. You know, how much credit does Taylor get for Ja emerging as a transcendent talent? Um, you know, now granted Ja was out when they got their season going. So that's uh, the optics of that are great for Taylor. The defense was in working order. Jaron's action junior, Desmond Bain emerging, you know, and that whole group. I think the Grizzlies' depth and the way they function, I think the spirit of the team, he gets some credit for that as well. The kind of classic, we want all the smoke type energy that has made them so much fun to watch. And, and so I think now at this point, somewhat feared, you know, around the league. Um, Taylor's doing really good work. And I hate to say it, it feels like. He'll probably get overlooked in this coach of the year race, but the guy has a Grizzlies team that, you know, was barely trying to get into the play in last year. And then now is second in the West, which, you know, to your point a moment ago, Slater, about the East versus the West, you know, second in the West gets you the same exact record as the Miami Heat right now. Yeah, which means you'd be about eight or nine back of Monty Williams Phoenix Suns. But um he was an obscure We're talking hire. third. We're talking Remember? third. I know. Yeah. He was like Nobody had heard much about him. And honestly, if you ask, like, I'm not even talking <laughs> about Sam types in Taylor Jenkins. I'm not Wikipedia. even talking about a casual NBA fan, but I would say like some decently like diehard NBA fans might not even know what he looks like. <laughs> I told that story last week, didn't I? I no. think Did Taylor. You? Yeah. So all star weekend. Maybe I was snoozing with Sam. All star weekend in Sorry, Cleveland. Shots, man. <laughs> I like this. See, and, and over Zoom, we don't have this edge. Yeah. Got an edge. <laughs> uh all star weekend in Cleveland. Um trying to use my little food vendor coupons to get a little bite to eat before the all star game. And I'm at a barbecue spot at the Cavs Arena and I look up and I just gotta own this and admit it. It it wasn't a double take, it was like a quadruple take. It's like, where do I know that guy from? I'm looking like twenty feet away and I can't place it because it's among a bunch of fans. Um, but there's a big burly guy with a big old grizzly guy beard. And uh, it finally clicks like that's Taylor Jenkins, like getting a burger or whatever. And nobody talked to him. Nobody even did that thing where maybe they're being polite, but they look at him and walk by. There was not a human in his vicinity who had the slightest clue who he was. Thank you. You've just given uh, the anecdote to the, the my theory, right? Like yes. this, is, this is great for my Taylor Jenkins story. Uh, yeah, it's also I, great that he could be the mascot of that team. That his look is very fitting. Obscure hire turned out to be yeah. a great hire, but to me, what it says more than a coach of the year is what you know. 
the Zach Kleiman or that front office's case for executive of the year, which is nailing him as, you know, uh, an out-of-the-box hire, you could say. Uh, obviously, the John Morant pick and how that's worked out for, you know, they extend Jaron Jackson, and that looked, you know, you didn't know coming into the season. Well, Jaron Jackson's had an incredible year. The the Desmond Bain pick, um, to me, that it's more, even like the Valashuna Steven Adams trade seemed a little bit questionable, but really the way Steven Adams has helped John Morant, I think, and also getting Valanciunas and his usage rate out of there, uh, I think helped him just getting him out of the lane is so John Morant can score, you know, however, you know, he leads the NBA in paint points. Uh, I, to me, that's more on the players and the executive than specifically Taylor Jenkins. He is part of that though. He, he was a good hire. So Taylor Jenkins, just since we, I think it's part of our duty on this pod to educate the basketball fans about stuff that uh, they might not know. Previously, the Austin Toros, I think the same Austin Toros that Quinn Snyder have a stop. Mm-hmm. With he Toros. was head coach there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta Hawks assistant, Milwaukee Bucks assistant. And before he goes to the Grizzlies, uh, one Eric Name, athletic beat writer uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, according to Wikipedia, wrote a profile about uh, Taylor Jenkins getting his hands dirty in, in, in a fisticuff situation with players where he stopped uh, guys from leaving the bench and apparently showed, you know, kind of great composure. And and it was worthy of an Eric name feature that I'm now looking at on, on our site. So, you know, it's, it's a gritty rise through the ranks uh, and a guy who obviously has done a great job. Yeah. They're, they're kind of in some ways, like his case is kind of like Ime Udoka's to me in that, they get off to this slow start. I think they were nine and ten. Jaw goes out. They go ten and two in the twelve games that Jaw is out. Uh, it's uh, and they just change their identity. I think through eighteen, nineteen games, we talked about it on the podcast at the time. They were dead last in the NBA in defense, like a consequential amount of games into the season, and now they're top ten. And coach plays a role in that. I mean that that's a big part of his case. To me, that's kind of the greater the greatest part of his case, like John Morant. I think John Morant is so great. He was probably going to be John Morant, no matter who his head coach was. Like, I think John Morant not becoming John Morant would probably be more likely to bad coaching than him becoming John because of good coaching. You know what I mean? Not to say, I mean, Jenkins has done a great job. I don't want to pretend that I've spent much time in Memphis since John came to town. I need to get out there more, but John does seem to rock with Taylor big time in terms of feeling empowered. Their locker room seems from far. I mean, their locker room seems really good. Well, and Slater, I was going to ask you, because, you know, you covered that plan game last year, right? Where the Warriors, you kind of had this widespread assumption that that the Warriors are going to take care of business, right? Uh, Not even just a widespread assumption. Me and Nate Duncan did a uh, pregame, did a Warriors Jazz Series preview podcast. 30-minute podcast breaking (laughs) down the Warriors Jazz first-round series. So, yes, the general feeling was the Warriors were going to win that game. It almost reminds me, um, I'm dating myself, but but I mentioned, you know, we talked Russ earlier. One of my favorite early playoff games I ever covered was when the Thunder played the Lakers in the beginning of the Kevin Durant-Westbrook era. And to watch Russ be fearless against Kobe and against the storied Lakers, all you knew that it meant was that, like, damn, this young dude, is going to attack his career. And Ja, to me, and that whole group, what they did with the Warriors last year sent a message. We might not have totally believed it at the time because they just seemed like, all right, maybe it's some young guys who got some swagger. 
but it has obviously continued this year and they've made good on that vibe that they were putting out there last year and they're on their way guy i mean second in the west is incredibly impressive um so yeah i think taylor is is uh being considered here for sure are you struggling to close deals b2b selling is tougher than ever and that's why i want to tell you about linkedin sales navigator linkedin sales navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high value customers, drive higher revenue and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up to date first party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash show 23 and get started. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You want to quick hit any of the rest of these? Chris Finch, I see on I your feel list. like a bit of, yeah, we'll get to Finch in a second. I feel like for whatever reason, I'm just going to roll with it. I'm rocking with the Nuggets lately and just feel, I think it's because they get so little national attention. I Big feel Nuggets guy. Obligation to. How about, how about, I think they get more national attention than local attention. You can't watch them in Denver. Oh, wow. I thought you were, that's Mike Singer shade right there. No, yeah. that's <laughs> altitudes or whatever, yeah, whatever no, that dispute is. That part shade. is brutal. We had a story on our site recently about the local ratings, and it really is a travesty because it's a great era for their franchise, and damn near nobody is watching it on TV. You're 100% correct. And with that, you know, Michael Malone, I mean, it just keeps in this, I've talked about Jokic and why I, I do think uh, to this point that he's the MVP but no Jamal Murray, no Michael Porter Jr. Those are just massive, massive losses. And Michael Malone has been, uh, like always, a huge part of what they're doing. You know, his synergy with Joker is big. They're 39 and 26. And, uh, you know, it's just not, not only is it better than I think what we thought they could do without those two guys, but it's put them in a position if they do end up, like I reported last week, getting those guys back, which, you know, it seems like they're on track to do. Um, you know, they just could not have done a better job of, of staying afloat. How about the way he's resurrected DeMarcus Cousins? Yeah, man. I mean, as we sit here in Sacramento, give Michael credit. He's, he's a loyal dude. You know, he's out there. Uh, you know, he, he gave Isaiah Thomas a crack at one point, you know, from their old Kings days. 
uh, with Cousins right now. He had 31 the other night when when they had uh, Jokic on the bench. And they won that game. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. He's had some moments, and they signed him through the, the rest of the season. You know, he's he is a loyal guy. He gives guy. them, you know, he's not for every locker room, especially at this stage of his career where he's, like, not nearly uh, as good as he used to be. Um, but it does seem like that what he brings them they kind of needed. Um, and the way and Malone clearly like can guide that in a better direction than I think a lot of other coaches, almost probably sure. every coach in the league, right? That's probably that's at this point. I think if you ask Demarcus Cousins, and he would be being truthful, like that's his favorite coach, right? <laughs> like you know, and that is not I've you covered him for Carl? a year. That's not the easiest guy to him. <laughs> George Carl, he'd be close second, close <laughs> second. You know, the gap between Monty Williams and the rest of the coach of the year candidates is the gap between DeMarcus Cousins' favorite coaches of Mike Malone to George Carl. Oh, man. George told just me to once. I'm, I'm just going to throw it. I, I don't even honestly care if this wasn't for public consumption. I'll never forget the time that George told me that I was as soft as his basketball team with my coverage. That was a hell of a line that he delivered. He wasn't happy about something I wrote. You're as soft as my team. He wants you to kill him more? Uh, the implication would be accurate on your side. Um, let's. I want to, before, Fred's got a story to write, and, and we are the opposite of the Emmanuel Quickly pod. This is the Emmanuel longer than Fred had planned on pod. Um, but I want to hit on some of these other coaches and give me a little bit of, you know, not to make it like this, but a little bit of either or. Like we hit on Taylor, we hit on Michael Malone. Like, you know, give me a little sense of unofficial rankings here. Slater, you mentioned Ime Udoka. Um, or Fred, you can jump on Ime as well. But Boston has won 16 out of 19. They started 23 and 24. Best defense in the league. To me, that's just, you know, a major feather in the cap uh, after being just 13th last season. Now, Ime, of course, first-year coach, came up under Greg Popovich with San Antonio. I got a soft spot for him. I cover him uh, as a player and I'll never forget. He's got a cool story. I'll never forget him telling me how he was still playing over in Europe, could have still made some money as a player you know, on European contracts. But when you get the call from Pop that says, do you want to jump on my bench? He's just smart enough to know that was the way to go. But, you know, he has kind of, you know, bided his time, done the work, uh, probably waited longer than he should have, but making the most of it right now. And, and man, the Celtics, I mean, I watched them the other day against Brooklyn. They, this is not just like an, a cute little turnaround. I mean, they look like a really good team. They were 13th in defense last year, but they were I said fifth. that already, friend. I know. I'm adding <laughs> on to your point. I'm so they were they were fifth in defense two years ago. So I honestly think the outlier was last year. He's taking not credit year. away. All right. I'm not taking credit away. I'm I'm the person who brought all the Boston stats to the pod last week and went on a whole thing about how Boston's real and then they beat Brooklyn and everybody wants to say they're 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 Boston's very real, I think. I mean Tatum Jason is playing Tatum, out of man. his mind, went for fifty whatever it was the other day. Uh he I swear is he's like thirty five. He is it's nineteen. He's playing extraordinary basketball. Their 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 defensive personnel is ridiculous. Yeah, the Derek I, White move helped. The Derek White move helps, and and over the streak where they're whatever they are twenty and 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 six in their last twenty six or whatever it is, they have the best defense in the league by far. Like it's not even close. They are so far and away the best defensive team. But I don't know. I just I don't. We he, can just give some love. He's done a really good to, job. He's done. Yeah. A, he's done a really good. There's no question. Not top. He's three. done a really good job. Okay. I I don't. I would struggle to put him in top three. I'm just more. 
I'm more emphatic about right. Spo. I'm more emphatic about Billy Donovan. I'm more emphatic about about Monty Williams. Fair. Can we can we throw Chris Finch some love? Yes, in? yes. Like everyone it. talks about the. I mean, you talk about like a cute little turnaround. Everybody talks about Minnesota. Like they're just oh, that's that's adorable. They're like I mean, they're they're a little better than we weeks. thought. But they're they're 37 and 29 now, and they have yeah. a top 10 offense, and their defense is the top half of the league too. Like they're they're good. I have one thing to say about that. That's adorable. Wow. 37 to 29. Wow. They might get into the playing John game. That's, Krasinski that's adorable. It's coming for your head. <laughs> think it's better than money? They've won no, 13 I, of 17 after starting. I'm just going to make good use of everything on the laptop. Uh, starting 24 and 25. Um, I mean, Anthony Edwards is so fun to watch, but the consistency will be something for him and Chris Finch to work out going forward. Carl Anthony Towns, first of all, let's not forget, First month or so of the season, I remember talking to our esteemed Minnesota-based writer, John Krasinski, about the weird dynamic where, again, I was not close to it, but it seemed like Carl was almost sending off this weird vibe about Anthony that, like, were they going to be a duo that that Carl believed in and was going to give a shot with D'Angelo Russell? Or was he almost getting kind of intimidated out of town? That's a terrible way of putting it, but there was, like, early rumblings or questions around the league of, is there any chance that like like teams were starting to monitor Carl, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And then it was like he finally got kind of convinced about Edwards and then convinced that they could do it together. Next thing you know, you know, he's a legitimate all-star. And and I feel like the optics around Cat have, you know, been better than ever this season. And you want to talk about going through some extra adversity, like Chris and Rosas is is well, is first of all, there. Yeah, Sorry, right before the start think of, of the Kat's season. life. I mean, his off-court life, right as well, right, and and oh, well, hundred percent. All the COVID and, loss, and yeah. just the basketball side, like Gerson Rosas is ousted right before the start of the season there, and and now Sachin Gupta is is an interim leading the organization. They have that shake up ugliness. Yeah, it's it's they they've been through stuff, and yeah, obviously all the stuff in Cat's life. Uh, but they've they've been through some stuff that Chris Finch has had to guide them through. Cat's been, by the way, like unbelievable this yeah. year on a yeah. separate note like he 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 should be in an all-nba conversation he destroyed the warriors the other night um i was at the game and you know the seats in minnesota are really good you're yeah. like right behind their bench um and just the physicality he played with uh moses moody left the game with a black eye damian lee left the game with like a bruised quad it was all just like because they were, you know, the Warriors are small, but they were trying to double him, triple him, and he was just, you know, bashing he, he bodies, making around. Jimmy Butler proud. Is that what you're trying to say? He pl- even talking to you know Warriors people after the game, you know, including Moses Moody with a black eye. It was like, woof, like that. We they had never seen that version of Towns before. Like the one who, it wasn't just like let me show off the jumper a little bit, let me get a few and ones, but not care too much. Right. Um. It was like a physically imposing like difficult center to contain now they didn't have draymond green for it but i'm i'm just general point like yeah i think he has taken it to another level and and sitting behind their bench and even the way when you know he gets subbed out he's hyping the crowd and like the vibe there i did say adorable early it was an adorable game to watch but uh they yeah no finch has had a good year and he gets credit for some of the cat stuff and everything else we hit on it and honestly if you even go back to the way he was hired the hiring process should have been handled better. It's been well chronicled. You know, David Vanderpool was the associate head coach at the time, and and it, that whole situation really sparked a, a, a you know another much needed conversation about diversity in the league. And so Chris is the guy who you know had just gotten the nod, and and now you're 
I mean, facing a fair amount of scrutiny because of that. Um, he's done a good job. Uh, the last name, did you have more on Mr. Finch, Fred? No. Okay. The last, Jason Kidd, partly because... Huh? We didn't really discuss the the guy who I feel the worst about not having in my top three. And I might actually change and put in my top three. Which one? J.B. Vickerstaff. Oh, wow. Okay. Before we finish, we, we can't... J.B., Doc Rivers, and then Jason Kidd. Those are the three we got to hit on. Because Doc J- deserves mention. I mean... Yeah. No one. He's he's like the typical cookie cutter. No yeah. one saw this coming. Oh yeah, for sure. Surprise team coach. But like, I don't know. I guess. I guess also, my, was his seat was allegedly getting warm going into the season. Right yeah. now, he's just sitting on an igloo. <laughs> right. Well, I think he got an extension, and not only was his seat warm, but like he was viewed as like a little bit like Alvin Gentry is in Sacramento. You know, the interim guy who you know you just come in and kind of. Guide the rest of the season. He done it a couple times. Yeah, he did it in yeah. Houston. Yeah, where know? it's like until we figure out something else. Like, yeah, you know, placeholder. Yeah, um, no longer considered a placeholder. Got a nice extension, and and they have a very young, nice young core that's uh, rising together. The other thing I would say about him, he went in unconventional, right, with the marketing and you know Jared Allen yeah. and yeah, um, big. Yeah, Mobley playing together and the fact that, you know, I, they seem very committed to, to Mobley and Allen playing together. And like, that's not necessarily a 2022, you know, easy decision to make, but it has really worked. That's the biggest, I, it's got to be the biggest turnaround of the whole league, right? It's 22 and 50 last year to 37 and 27. Oh yeah, it's got to yeah. be. Yeah. I mean, I would say Slater just hit on it. Like, I would say my my personal way that I try to evaluate this stuff is... I look at how coaches respond to imperfections in the roster and are they able to make the best of them? And that's the, like, to me, that's the argument for Billy Donovan. And that's, that's the argument for JB Bickerstaff too. Like Lowry Markkinen has been playing the three this year. He's not a three. And not only has he been doing that, but when they have everybody healthy and they have their guys, Jared Allen just had the finger injury, but when they have their guys, they're one of the best defenses in the league. I mean, with with him, they've got Mobley. Mobley has been extraordinary for them, and and he's just done an excellent job piecing together. Uh, I mean, it's it's obviously a good roster. Garland's development has been extraordinary, but just a roster that's quirky. And he's taken those quirks that could be weaknesses if they're misused, and he's used them for strengths. Like part of the reason their defense is so good is because their size is just overwhelming. Uh, and and you know, people wondered could even when they drafted Mobley, people were like you're really going to roll out a front court of Mobley and Jared Allen? Sure, I mean, people scoffed at it. Like oh, that's yeah. going to work. We've been scoffing at them for a couple of years and having exactly. an egg in our face. That Jared yeah. Allen contract, and now it's a strength. Yeah. Now it's now it's like wow, look at all that length. No one can get to the ring rim against them. It's almost like the opposite. Not to keep bringing it back to our current location, but uh, you know, it's a little bit like what we did with the three guard. Why'd you draft Davion Mitchell? Is that going to work? And it didn't, right? Like that. That kind of somewhat blew up. In the <laughs> Slater's just glad there's one team left that we get stuff right on. <laughs> I feel like we got the Lakers right. I did. I did not. Uh, I did, you did not. not. Um, to, fr- to Fred's point, um, not to pivot too much here, but like Jason Kidd's candidacy to me, and by candidacy, I just mean top eight, you know, give them some flowers is that they are the, the Mavs are sixth in the league in defense with Luka Doncic playing massive minutes and to steal a line from you our killing Luka's defense colleague and buddy, Tim McMahon of ESPN. I heard him today on a pod with Zach Lowe talking about 
an interesting concept that we don't spend much time thinking about or talking about, which is a coach's ability to, first of all, Luca's versatility is a big reason why that, that Jason can do this, but you know, it's, it's hiding a guy at multiple spots. It comes in handy, you know, when he can play so many spots, you know, where you can hide him in more places based on what you're faced with. And however the hell they're doing it, this wizardry that, that, you know, and now without Porzingis, um, sixth in defense is, is legit for the course of the whole season. And and that's just with Luca, who whose reputation on that end of the floor is not very good. Yeah. You know, I just went on this uh, road trip that I mentioned where I saw Cat dominate the Warriors. A lot of people are doing that these days. Uh, and Dallas did. Uh, dominate is strong, but um, they won late in the game because of defensive strategy, because they doubled Steph Curry a ton, trapped him. Steph Curry took zero fourth quarter shots and was angry post game that he couldn't get one shot off. And it was because of what Dallas did defensively and, and right. the way he was using like Finney Smith and even like Reggie Bullock, who's considered a, kind of just a three point special, like the way he was hounding 40 feet from the basket and Jalen Brunson. And, you know, you, you know where we sit in Dallas, right? Courtside, like you could just feel their defensive, uh, just energy uh, and focus close up. And, you know, Jason Kidd is sitting there, you know, whatever, 12 feet, you know, watching it all intently and clearly kind of helping guide it. And, and you talking about narratives. Impressive. He got fired in Milwaukee largely because the defense was terrible. Yeah. You know, and so. Well, it was, he like overdid, I remember it was because he kind of overdid his scheme and it was like too like turnover obsessed and like trapping, but it's working it down. Why are it, we talking about Doc Rivers last? That's my final question. I don't know because you made the list. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, like Doc Rivers done a good job this season, but I, to me, he was like probably last on this list. No yeah, Ben Simmons I, I doesn't w- matter. Forty and twenty-four. I to me, that's more of just a Joel Embiid thing. Okay. Yeah, I I feel similarly about Michael Malone. Like obviously a good coach. Yeah. Obviously has done a good job this year. To me, it's just like Nikola Jokic is has been the best player in basketball this year. So they're winning a lot. Like okay. Michael Malone didn't score 30 in the fourth and overtime the other night. Wow. But Billy Donovan did apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Touche to me. Billy Donovan at 31. It was, <laughs> it was huge. All right. So we're coming up on a, a new day, Fred. It's almost midnight. You have a story to write. Uh, let's wrap this baby up. It's fantastic to see both of you. Uh, no, you know, take my smart ass hat for, off for a second. Uh, this was fun to do in person. Uh, we didn't even realize we'd all be in person until about 24 hours ago. So always good to see you keep up the good work, Fred. Uh, you know, good luck uh, with your quickly pressers and <laughs> later look forward to seeing Draymond again. I don't know what I have for you. March 14th. Yeah. Sam. Everyone should read Sam's latest on the Lakers. <laughs> if you don't subscribe to The Athletic, click on that article and subscribe to read the latest in Lakerland. It was very detailed. You should read. Thanks, boys. Be good.